you don't know what hourly pricing is at this point, I really I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, you charge per hour, <laughs> not thirty minutes. That's the end of the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you charge per hour. Charge per hour, hour minimum. Even if it's a twenty-minute haircut, they we... still pay for the hour. Hi everyone, I'm Sid Sharice. and I'm David Bosher, and you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast, where we teach you to salon differently. This episode is sponsored by Karg Shears, a reputable brand born in Switzerland, created by Mike Karg. Karg Shears are made with the highest end and most durable Japanese steel that work for dry and wet cutting. We decided to team up with Karg because of their unique approach to handcrafted shears, customer service, and a simple love for the hairdresser. Tap the link in the episode description to receive a special DTH promotion for your new shears. We promise you'll love them. I just got a new customized booking website. That's genius. Yeah, gloss genius. Gloss Genius has one of the lowest processing fees in the industry at 2.6% with no hidden fees and free same-day deposits. DTH listeners get their first month free on us as well as your very own stunning credit card reader, an $80 value. To sign up, visit dth.glossgenius.com. If you have been listening to our podcasts, to our clubhouses, our Instagram, we talk about hourly pricing. And honestly, I don't even want to do this episode because we've talked about it. I am so sick of fighting with you all about charging your worth and your value. <laughs> I don't understand why you don't want to get on board. All we want is people to p- charge more money, to make more money, and uh, no one's having it. Here's the thing. We have made a pact that- until- The blood oath. An oath, yeah. Blood oath. Someone will die if it doesn't happen. Everyone in the industry (laughs) charges a minimum of 100 an hour. Like, that's the standard. David and I will retire. We'll retire. So if you're (laughs) sick of hearing about us, then you all need to raise your prices so that we'll go away. So we want the minimum industry standard Mm -hmm. of a haircut and any service. I can hear the tables flipping. To be $100 an hour with an hour minimum. Yeah. That's right. If it takes you 20 minutes, it's still an hour. Yeah. So I think if you're listening to this podcast, you know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I If you don't know what hourly pricing is at this point, I really— I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, you charge per hour. <laughs> Not 30 minutes. That's the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you charge per hour. Charge per hour, hour minimum. Even if it's a 20-minute haircut, they we, still pay for the hour. All of my students charge over $100. Well, I think, yeah, all of my, mm-hmm. all of my students charge over $100 an hour. And they all used to charge like $50 for a haircut, $30 for a haircut, and now they charge $100 for a haircut. And every single person, every single time, tells us no one's going to pay that. Mm -hmm. And then, lo and behold, they do. My favorite, this is my favorite, they're so busy, right? They come to us. They're so busy. I'm like, okay, obviously we have to raise our prices because the point is to lose clients or share them with your team or with other people in the industry because you can't take anything more. I don't more. think people realize how limited their time is. I know. And so they fight me on it, right? And sometimes I do this as a coach because it's not, A, worth the effort, but also they need to come with their – they need to experience it to realize it. So let's say I'm like, they're, you know, $80, $60, whatever. We get them to raise to like 90 I want them to be at 120 an hour. They settle with me on 90 Okay. All right, let's do I want you to make more, but okay, if you want to make less. They go through, <laughs> exactly. They go through the whole process of announcing it on Instagram and telling their clients and sending the email. It's this All the drama. Drama, right? They go over multiple scenarios with me on every 
possible scenario that what a if client my client say, yeah. asks if I get if I'm charging them so I can go pee and That's I a question respond to them and I guide them and I give them you know proper verbiage to help them through the experience and then they do it and two months go by and I check in about that specific thing and they're like no one left no one bad and behind. I wish I would have done more and then uh, and they're like time. I'm still so busy and the whole point of doing this whole dramatic event was to prevent them from being so busy. Mm-hmm. So then we have to do it again a couple months later. And so that creates more of a stir. For those of you that are confused by our, by the way, it's more confusing for hairdressers than it is mm-hmm. for clients. Clients totally get it. It's like, how much do I owe you this? Okay. Hairdressers are like, well, what if I what if I am sitting in the back room and I'm eating? Yep, they're paying for that. What if I'm peeing? They're paying for that. What if I'm do on a phone call? Do people get yeah. paid for their lunch breaks and their I mean, we're paying for the studio and breaks? the recording. And I think we've gone to the bathroom and we're eating. And sometimes we're not recording. And we are still paying for mm-hmm. that time. I don't understand why this is so complicated. Can you imagine if I was like, Max, you peed. Can you please yeah. turn off the timer? <laughs> As he's eating. <laughs> John, the cameras were off for about 20 seconds. I'd like that I'd deducted. I'd like you to deduct from, that from our pay. Yeah, no. or our bill. That's not how it works. Like, mm-hmm. hairdressers have to start thinking in that way, too. Like, you're paying for a block of time. It doesn't matter what I'm doing in that time. As long as the service is being done, and it's not my job to do things faster or slower for you. It is my job to quote you how long it's going to take mm-hmm. and how much it's going to be. And then it's up to the client to decide if that works for them. Especially if you come in for just a haircut. My favorite is when you charge, like, 20 bucks for a haircut, but it costs you between your coffee your breakfast, to run the lights, to pay rent, to gas. It costs you $100 to get to work. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. I don't think we were. I would do love. Do the math. I, yeah. Simple math. This is not common core math. We're not trying to confuse do you the or math. recreate the wheel. Do the math. How much did you spend to go to work and how much did you spend at work and how much did you spend going home? And then subtract that from what you made that day and let us know if you're charging enough. I really realized this, even though I used to spend more money when I had a car, but I really – I do have a car. I know. But it it made it very – I have a car too. I don't know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. What the heck? <laughs> but when I did move to New York before I had the car, it really made me realize how much it costs to leave the house because – Oh, well, New York will do that too. <laughs> exactly. Because you leave, you get on the train, and even though the train is very affordable – Sometimes trains aren't running and you're late and you have to jump in a cab or you're out all day and you can't bring a lunch with you because you're walking all day. And I mean, we would sometimes pre-pandemic be out for eight hours walking from place to place around the city. Well, quick story. When we first started for the hairdresser, we didn't have any money. No. And so we would travel. We quit our corporate jobs to move to New York. So we um, would fly around teaching classes all over the U.S. And Sid. I'm the money person. Sid's the money Sid's the purse. I'm the purse. And she <laughs> basically decides what we spend on what we don't. I just like And numbers. like if we have money for something and if we don't, which is great because I don't. So, but one of the things that we were different in the beginning was you were trying to always save money on mm-hmm. flights. But then I was like, Sid, we're saving, we have eight layovers, yeah. <laughs> but we have to buy food every layover. We yeah. have to, like, we're spending the same amount. And once you start thinking about money in that way, which... Second tour, we did Comfort Plus. Upgrades. Upgrades. Delta Skyline. Delta Skyline, which actually saved us money because they feed you in there and they give you drinks. So and they have a shower. And they have a shower and bathrooms and... So they're not luxuries. They actually, in the end, if you travel a lot, saved you a lot of money. So we were actually spending less living in luxury than we were mm-hmm. hoofing it. Yeah. 
in the And half the back. times we'd be huffing it, something would get canceled, we'd have to buy a different flight, or we'd have to take a car from a longer place or rent a car. It was such a shit One show. story that I have, again, this is like one of I our- I think you've told this before, but go lay- ahead. 18 layovers. Throw me under the bus. One of our 18 layover flights. Was it the one where I almost missed Speaking the flight of the bus, Yeah. That so <laughs> we were heading to Canada for uh, a class, <laughs> and- Let me reference this. That. I just started dating- my that's, future wife that I'm with that's now. not even the funny part so we were on the phone they were on the phone they would so every time we would travel they would like they were newly in love so they would be on the phone somewhere off in the airport I would have no idea where they were and so we'd go can you watch my stuff and I finally realized no because <laughs> you're not going to come back and I want to go do things too so she disappears and our terminal was down stairs like two I've never seen something like yeah, that yeah it was so weird so basically the terminal upstairs was not it it was terminal 25X yeah so it was 25 you go to terminal 25 and then you go downstairs so when I left you you were at terminal 25 right which and is what I we thought didn't was, go far no so then they basically announced that term, you know the flight to Toronto is leaving and that you have to get on a bus to go to the new terminal so I'm like trying to text it I'm like running down to Find Terminal 25X. I finally, I get on this little bus where like we're all like, cra- which COVID we would not do now, but mm-hmm. we're all like crowded on. and Like sardined mm-hmm. in. It was a clown car. And we're, they're like, we're just waiting for one more person. And, and I'm like <laughs> trying to call Sid. And she comes hauling ass. I was sprinting. She came so fast. She ran into the bus and knocked people over. <laughs> And then she like had her backpack on. If you've I ever mean, been on a subway, out of a movie, she I like was... was like moving around. People were like, Ugh. it was nuts. Anyways, the point is, it was my first tour. You've got to, I have to learn. <laughs> it's not about saving money. It's yeah. about making more money. Sometimes you have to spend money to make money, and I not sometimes all the time. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like even with our business, we didn't have money, but we would invest the money we did have in things that we knew at the time would would bring us more like okay let's invest in podcast equipment even though we're filming the pod or recording the podcast I remember, on the floor of our apartment yeah i remember when we first started we would we bought a yeti mic and it was like such a expense for us mm-hmm. and then we were just if you if you've gone all the way back to the beginning of our podcast it's us on the floor in our brooklyn apartment yeah and it's a totally different show yeah it actually had a different name but <laughs> now we have this uh, and we're really lucky to have it but it wasn't about how do we save and I think that's what But the goal was to always get here. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what hairdressers do is they're like, how do I help the client save money? But the client never asked that. Mm-hmm. In fact, saving the client money is a sure way of not getting the client where they want to go with the look. And it's like someone comes in, they want their hair is black, they want to be platinum, blonde, white, and you're trying to save them money. We can't. Also, There's get no out of people's pockets. If they don't want to spend the money for the time that you are doing something so traumatic like that. That is a traumatic experience. I Taking someone from dark box black hair to Kardashian blonde in one day, which is which is not real. Mm-mm. The Kardashians didn't even do that. Uh, Billie Eilish didn't even do it. No, she wore she had a, wig. a wig. Yeah, so it's like we have to charge for that. And what we do is we're so afraid to charge our worth for that amount of time and stress and chaos that we minimize it because we'd rather minimize ourselves than have to deal with a client going, that's too expensive. For me, if they say that, I'm like, well, you're not getting your hair done by me. Like, yeah. go somewhere else. I'll fix it later, you know? like <laughs> You're going to end up spending more. But the thing is, like, protect yourself when you're doing a big project and you're saying it's going to take me seven hours. Don't say it's going to take you five just because yeah. you're trying to save someone money. It's going to take you seven I'd rather hours. tell you it's going to take eight hours and only take six. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So hourly pricing streamlines. It makes things transparent. And 
you said get out of people's pockets. I always tell this story. I like wine a lot. <laughs> and so when I go to like a wine shop, I usually am looking for a nice bottle of wine. I will pay whatever I I want to drink it's good wine. Yeah, it's important to me. And every time I go, they look at me and say, well, the $12 bottles are over here. And it's so insulting. And it drives me. I'm like, listen, I don't. And I will say to them flat out, I don't mind how much it is. I'm really looking for a, like, I'm asking them for their expertise, Mm -hmm. which they are not providing. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no. Like, I want to know the best bottle of wine. This is exactly the taste I like. And they'll be like, well, you know, you can get two for one. If I'm like, you're not hearing what I'm saying. And we do this to clients all the time. You're not listening to You're literally not listening to anything I'm saying. And you have to, I'm going to them because they know what they're talking about, or I'm assuming they know what they're talking about. And then they're trying to, they're acting like I don't have any money. We do this all the time where a client comes in and they're asking us for our expertise, ready and willing to pay whatever it is. And we're like, well, you know, if we did this, you wouldn't have to spend so much. And they're like, I don't want that. Yeah. I want this. Yeah. Like what? I don't know why we do that. I don't know where that comes. Like, if I I would, I would rather everyone assume that everyone's a millionaire. Like, make that assumption. Yeah, you're gonna make an assumption. I recently, I finally was able to see this woman named Gina. She is a facialist, and she grew like grew popular on Instagram. And she, at the time that I found her, she was working for herself. And at the time that I found her, she was out of my budget. But I knew that I wanted to. I never wanted to not go see her. And then obviously pandemic hit, so that put a damper in things. And even though I could afford her then, I wasn't going to get a facial. And then she opened up her own place. And so the minute that I was, like, ready to, like, okay, I want to experience this. I want to go get a facial. That was my first place. And I didn't care what it cost because I had already prepped myself to know that I was going to spend a lot of money on this experience because I've watched her for years. And that's the thing. Like, all my clients come to me because of Instagram. I don't work in a salon. I don't, like, I work in a studio that's private. Like, you have to find me on Instagram to want to get your hair done for me. So they know I charge hourly. They know my price point. They know what I'm doing because I don't stop talking about it. And then they come to me because of that. And so it's effortless. And I think that's the thing, too. We don't talk about it enough. People, when they show up, they've already decided to pay you. Mm -hmm. It's not like, even if someone walks in and they're trying to ask for information, they're not saying, please downplay it. I'm looking for a deal. They're just like, can I, can you tell me what the pricing is here so I can plan? Yeah. And it's, it does everyone a disservice to start making things. They're a whole different beast. Yeah. A walk-in business is so 2000. (laughs) (laughs) It's a service industry. Can walk in and get whatever you want. I have, yeah, we have we have salon owners who are like, well, what about all the walk-in clients? It's like, what about them? Yeah. They're usually not the best Those clients. are not my clientele. I want the clientele that found me through my branding that I'm investing my time, energy, and money into. Can I tell you, when I walk into, I have walked into salons. Mm-hmm. It's because I need something immediately. I don't give a shit what it is. And I'm not going back. Yeah. Those are the walk-ins. That's anywhere if I walk in. walk-in comes in, comes in demanding something like you can't they're not coming doesn't work like that but you they're also get something because you asked for it they're not coming back i'm telling you like it's time to manifest things <laughs> well we had someone walk in i'm sure you did yeah and i'm sure and you that can- is the problem with what has happened in the salons too is the fact that 
we've taken every walk-in and we're putting people with stylists that don't know how to do those particular services or they're not good at it or they don't, they don't want, want to. to. Yeah. And now you're making people take things. I, I mean, we've talked about it all the time. Like I used to have to take pedicures because I was open. Right. And someone wanted a pedicure and I was licensed to do it. That was just wrong. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's just the point that like, why am I, why are we doing this? I would rather have a walk-in come in and me like as an owner, because I'm not behind the chair, say, you know, like, okay, what do you want? Like, what are you looking for? Oh, I think you should be with Sarah because they specialize in what you want. She's not available today. I have to book another time. Yeah. But walk-in also prevents, like, suites don't have walk-ins. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, why are we even allowing that? It's a by appointment only that eliminates the whole concept of a phone. (laughs) See how it's all coming together? Together, I know. Charge hourly. (laughs) Remove your front desk. Mm -hmm. Get rid of retail. Don't take walk-ins. And you'll be fine. Use technology. I think when it comes to hourly, I really want to make this clear I know we've talked, we've had someone on our team talk to Modern Salon about this as well. It's like, I think there's an assumption that we're going to set a timer. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the appointment, it's like, okay, it was an hour and 23 minutes. That's not what's happening. You're quoting time. So when someone's in your chair and they show you this beautiful balayage image, then you're going to say, okay, we can definitely get you there. Or maybe you can't. A different conversation, but we can definitely get you there. And it's going to take us four hours. I charge a hundred dollars an hour, so by the end of the appointment today, it'll be four hundred dollars. You're paying for four hundred dollars, or Sid will, will say it'll cost you four hours. Yeah, I say it'll cost you four hours. I charge this amount an hour. Yeah, because they can do math, mm-hmm. but also it's setting the precedent of like time. You're paying for my time. It's going to cost you time. It's not co- money. It's costing all of us time. Yeah. You know, I want to give some examples of how hourly works in other industries to kind of set the mood, (laughs) create a vibe. And then the lights go down. Mm -hmm. So, one, my therapist, we have an hour-long session. It costs me the same every time I talk to her. And sometimes I have meetings in the morning that start in our normal therapy time. And so— Multiple times I've had to say— Oh, I'm late to every therapy. I'm either late or <laughs> it's my time. I paid for that hour. And she doesn't care. She's like, okay. If you're 20 um, minutes late, it's, it's your still time. your time. And so I have had to end sessions. I, I'm, I'm like, oh, I can only do 30 minutes today. And she's like, okay, that's fine. You get the hour, so it doesn't matter. And I don't think twice about you're it. You're still paying for the hour. I still paid for that hour no matter what. She still was booked for that hour no matter what. So after I got off the Zoom with her at 30 minutes— she was getting paid for that extra 30 minutes to do whatever the hell she wanted Hopefully she to do. got a break. Yeah, I'm sure she did. She has two kids. Like That's the other thing, too, is like, they're like, well, I'm not working the entire time that I'm getting paid. It's like, who, why were you supposed to? Mm-hmm. Like, why in our industry is like, my hands weren't constantly cutting the hair, so I shouldn't get paid. This is the whole, like, song and dance got to perform. It's performance. You yeah. know? Like, we're not doing that. Also, lawyers. Okay. You're booking for the time. The hourly rate. Like. It's, it's that simple. If I go in and we can settle it in 45 minutes, I still paid for that hour. Right. I'm not nickeling and diming. And I think that's – this is the new movement that we have to really work together to set. We have to tra- – we have trained our clients to treat us the way they treat us. We have taught them this bad behavior. And now it's our job 
to retrain them of how we want to be treated and how we're going to treat them. Well, this is where technology came in and we got addicted to it. And it was like, well, now you can text me and call me at any time, day or night, personally as a client. And it's like, no, that wasn't what technology was for. We That's how we abused it. But technology is about being able to separate things, compartmentalize things, and make things more streamlined. So again, if you want to know if you're addicted to technology, it's overwhelming. And if you want to know if you're using technology properly, your life gets a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're using technology and your life is more complicated, there's a there's a disconnect. Absolutely. I think it's one of those things it's like why are hairdressers going into different fields when there's like six figure to be a six figure hairdresser used to be the thing. I think it needs now to be higher. Now you can higher. Do seven, yeah. Yeah, like why are we not aiming for that? I mean, do you know what's with technology being Zoom, Instagram, TikTok, everything's about your face and your appearance. We're not going to be less important in the future. We're going to be more and more important. That and injectors for <laughs> Botox, injections, plastic surgeons, mm-hmm. anything that has to do with appearance is just going to become more and more popular. So stop discounting it because even in the recession back in 2008, hairdressers people spent more in the beauty industry than they had in years prior. Exactly because they were like it was one of those things where they were like, oh, I have to save for this. This makes me feel good when I feel bad. Or, well, I didn't go on vacation, so I can go to the salon. Same thing in the middle of a pandemic. People couldn't wait to get back in our chair. Oh, if pandemic people were us paying any- you as a hairdresser to teach them how to cut their own hair <laughs> on Zoom. What? I mean, if if the pandemic taught us anything, it was how I don't want to say hairdressers were essential. I don't think they were. I whenever I think of that, I think of that lady on the news. Do you yeah. remember her with the well, sign? Which one? I know. One of the Karen's Karen. like, give me I want a haircut. Like, like Karen, people are so dying. Bad. It's like So that we're needed. I don't think we're essential, <laughs> but I think we are a very important part of society that no one really noticed before. And the tables have turned. We are now in control of who we see, how we see them, how much we charge. And we have an opportunity, we have a window in time to really, for all of us to take over and take that power back. And I think this is the year we have to do it. And if we don't shift together, nothing will change. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And for those of you that are hairdressers that just do cutting, like I just cut hair, I don't do color. Mm -hmm. I charge $200 an hour. So if someone comes and gets a haircut and it's going to be an hour, if it's going to be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, 55 minutes, I still charge my hourly rate. And your location does not matter. No. Oh, well, I live in a small town in Utah. Yeah, people still have money in Utah. Yeah. people have. There's wealthy people. People will also travel to you. People will travel to you. And also, again, stop assuming people can't afford that. It's Mm -hmm. insulting. It's not your job, you know? Yeah. You have to stop. You, You have to stop making that a thing. Like, it can't be... It's such an excuse and an illusion that we're it like it's just the fear illusion. Fear is the illusion of safety. So we're creating comfort, but really what we're doing is creating so much discomfort for ourselves and our future. I would like to also say for those of you that are like, well, I have clients that I know can't afford a certain price point, but I want to still work with them. I would rather you do one day a month of free hair for people that are struggling than to discount or charge less. Mm -hmm. I would rather you like carve out a day and be like, okay. To give. These are these special people. They don't have to, they can come in on a private day. They can, the time is carved out. It's not, they don't have to feel bad about other people knowing they're not spending money. But like, 
I'm going to give back to the community that can't afford it mm-hmm. for free. But I'm not going to discount someone. A discount is something that people, when you start discounting, people then start assuming and making and kind of deciding like, well, if you can discount it, it's probably not worth what you're charging. Yeah. But if you do something for free, it's considered a gift and people know it. you can't continue to work for free. So if you want to help those people that can't afford it, I'd rather you do free services once a month than discounts for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I I think it's just time to start making some money. It's yeah. it's time to start. I had I was talking to a student the other day and she's like I want to she does a lot of like homeless haircuts and she lives in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. she's great. And she like she wants to do all these things but it cuts into her money. And I'm like, do you think Oprah can do more or less for people because of her wealth? Obviously more. So as hairdressers Yes, I know that we all want to give back. We're all empathetic and emotional people. It's a creative, emotional career. But you can give back a lot more when you're making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's not selfish We were never able to, to donate to charities with yeah. our company in the beginning. And now that's a huge part of our business. It's a huge part of our students' businesses. Yeah. Um, if you work with a coach, you'll definitely be linking up with a local charity and giving them money. And learning how to be comfortable giving away a portion that makes you very uncomfortable because that's how it's real is by when you get that gut dropping feeling. I wish we could have giving. just, we could be the charity. Just I give know. us a portion of, <laughs> but no, we're going to help I, people. And I think that's the cool thing about business is the more money you make, the bigger your business is, the more impact you can have on the world. And I know that's really important to a lot of hairdressers, but that's never going to happen when you're charging a, a, a rate that doesn't provide for you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I say this all the time. Because it, I think I think about these things. <laughs> Might be a little morbid, but I think about like like when I am on my deathbed and I you have that moment where you're looking back at your whole life. Did you work so hard that you didn't get to see your kids grow up or spend time with their family or travel or vacation? Or do you really feel good about Are you happy that Karen got her services for Yeah, you're not even gonna remember for five years? Like, think about, no. literally think about, like, 20, 30, 40 years from now. My mom can't even remember some of her friends, some of her clients. Like, I can't even remember some, like, of my students when I taught at Aveda. Like, right. you start to forget things. So these people are, like, blips of time. And we can be very impactful in the moment that we are in their lives and vice versa. But the grand scheme, the bigger picture is that we still have to focus on what we're doing as a business. The people that I remember the most are the ones that paid me exactly what I charged. Yeah. And money once that was that boundary was there and we both respected it we never talked about money again mm-hmm. and those are the relationships that were great the people that it was all about money i don't remember them i do remember rose yeah who had jet black hair and 100% gray <laughs> and we would color it level 1 which is black and she would come in every 4 weeks and tell me that the color fell out yep. but really her, her hair, hair grew. just grew and she I could not convince her for the life of me. I was like, Rose, every four weeks, your white hair grows back. Therefore, you have a line a line of white hair. She goes, no, no, no. She goes, my hair doesn't grow that fast. <laughs> the color fell out. I'm perfectly. Like, and I it go, fell out perfectly. I go, Rose, if that was true, then the white would be a lot longer because you think it falls out every time. Mm-hmm. She didn't get it. But she didn't have a problem paying me. A good fight. We used to do this thing called— That's what I remember. Like, we would have people write their obituaries. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's sad. Mm -hmm. And 
they would have to write what they accomplished in their life. We don't do this anymore with our students. But it was a really good tool. <laughs> I to, recommend doing it. To look, I mean, yeah, do it for yourself of like, what did you accomplish in your life? Like, here lies so-and-so. They did blah, blah, blah. And if you were to write out what you're currently doing, would that be enough? Because if it's not. Reroute. Yeah, we have to get we have to make some There's two ways to do it. You can do it where God forbid you were to die right now. What would you have left behind? And then, you know, 50 years from now, 60 years from now, what would you leave behind and what you want that to look like? So it does help you. And I think how does this connect to hourly pricing? It's about removing the need to talk about money all the time. It's about removing bargaining. It's about when someone sits in your chair. Yeah, you're setting the standard, you're setting a precedent, you're holding your own. And there's no reason our industry can't do that. We just keep not doing it. Yeah. That's all I have. Raise your prices. <laughs> Go to hourly. I can't talk about this anymore. Yeah. We're okay. done talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. I look back at my career when I was hustling in New York City to like get jobs and to work on set and to get on mag- in magazines. I look back at where I hustled. Those are not where I actually got my opportunities. Mm-mm. I would do fashion week and fashion week and fashion week every year. Nothing came of it other than the fact week. that I got to say I work during fashion week. I have some cool photos. No one cares. Yeah.